This is going to be one of those awkward silences Joe has to edit out. (laughs) It's time for Arrested DevOps, the podcast that helps you achieve understanding, develop good practices, and operate your team and organization for maximum DevOps awesomeness. I'm your host, Bridget Kremhout, at Bridget Kremhout on Twitter. Arrested DevOps is brought to you by 10th Magnitude, a company that figures if you're listening to this podcast, you must be pretty cool. 10th Magnitude empowers businesses to better collaborate across teams and achieve IT transformation using cloud. They enable customers to innovate, automate, and accelerate by leveraging the power of Microsoft Azure. You can find out more at arresteddevops.com slash 10th Magnitude. This episode is also brought to you by Datadog, a monitoring tool that helps bridge the gap between operations and dev teams. Datadog brings together system metrics, changes, alerts, and events from over 70 common infrastructure tools such as Chef, Docker, and AWS so that dev and ops teams share their key data and alerts in a single place and collaborate on issues in real time. Datadog is available for a free 14-day trial at arresteddevops.com datadog. All right, so we're here at DevOps Days Toronto. We just finished up uh, selecting open space on the second day. And as typical at a DevOps days, we're, we're fitting in a recording of Arrested DevOps in one of the open spaces. In this particular case, we have a wide variety of awesome guests representing a lot of aspects of the conference. So I'm going to just ask people to introduce themselves, uh, starting with a couple of our organizers. Hey, I'm Dave Cliff from PagerDuty. I've uh, been organizing, uh, I guess, this is our third time doing DevOps Days Toronto. So uh, a couple of different venues, uh, very you know, very diverse audience each time, certainly growing towards uh, more of an enterprise focus, uh, which has been really neat to see. Uh, Steve Pereira. Um, I'm with Statflow. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a great year. I think this is the second year at the same venue for us. And uh, we're just consistently trying to improve year over year with uh, limited success. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, granted, I wasn't at the first year, though I heard good, heard good things about it, but I think that this was a pretty successful DevOps days. I've been to a few of them, and I like this one. Um, and another thing, of course, we had a great venue. We can talk more about that. But a lot of what makes DevOps days successful and even possible is the sponsors. So we have a representative from one of our sponsors here we'd love to hear from. Hi, I'm Sarah Kowalik, and I work at PageDuty on the operations team. And uh, Sarah, can you tell us about what brought you to this particular DevOps days? Um, well, DevOps days is always interesting. Uh, one always learns new things and learns what people, uh, teaches you what people uh, in your industry and perhaps a little outside of your industry are actually doing. Um, I've been to a couple of DevOps days in Australia before um, and it was really interesting to see the difference here. Um, Australia, um, Toronto has a lot more of a focus on the financial tech uh, industries and the banks. Uh, so it's really interesting to see what their journeys are and what they differ to uh, the more normal things we find in Australia. I, I like how you're describing Australia as normal. I feel like if you're if you're if you have Australia set as your bar of like this is what the world is like, then everywhere else must feel a little bit different. <laughs> Yeah, there's nowhere near as many spiders or snakes and everything's upside down and the roads are the wrong way around, as are the cars. Nice. All right. And uh, we also have a representative from the speakers here. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Sean Wahlberg. Uh, I'm with the National Football League. Uh, I'm out of Virginia and was really happy to come here to Toronto and uh, and speak and attend. 
All right. We'll talk more about your talk in a minute here, but I'm also going to pick on Joe who likes to be silent during all these podcasts. But Joe was here as a DevOps Days Minneapolis organizer doing his typical scouting out all of the things that they're doing that he wants to copy and things that he wants to do differently. Tell us a little bit about your experience here at DevOps Days Toronto, Joe. Uh, yeah, I do kind of, I come to these, I come to these uh, events and I pretty much steal all the good ideas and implement them at, in, uh, in Minneapolis. And I do have uh, plenty to, plenty to work with, uh, plenty to work with here. This, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I really enjoyed this, uh, the main stage, the main stage venue I thought was was really nice. One of the one of the better ones I've seen from a from a DevOps days. All right, awesome. So we've talked about DevOps days before on this podcast, and I think that when a lot of people hear about hear us talking about DevOps days, they sometimes get you know coupon codes from the podcasts. If you go to uh, any any of the conferences on um, devopsdays.org and use the code ADO2016, ADO it will usually get you 20% off. So take a look at that for our loyal listeners or our not-so-loyal listeners who are just checking the podcast out now. That's okay. Um, but for the people who have been to a number of these, and I know that some of you have, uh, at this particular one, like from the organizer point of view, what were you specifically trying to curate? Yeah, one of the things that we um, that we definitely take very seriously is um, is first off the code of conduct, and uh, actually had um, you know had an, an incident that we had to deal with um, uh, pretty promptly um, in this particular example, and um, and I thought you know Steve and the team did a did a great job there. Um, so I think that's one piece uh, is kind of I guess curating the attendees, if you will, um, but uh, but certainly from a um, from a, a speaker's perspective, you know we we are always on the lookout for ensuring diversity. Steve, and you want to kind of comment on what the kind of speaker speaker selection process looked like? I think this year we did an outstanding job uh, in terms of topic diversity. Um, I would say we did a poor job in representation of groups uh, and demographics um which is also which is always a struggle uh but you know it's something that there's there's really no excuse for and it's something you know had we started earlier and, and spent more time sort of going out into the community uh you can always do a better job so that that for sure is top of my list for next year and uh, I would say it's it's probably the the biggest sore spot for this year. But um, in terms of what we actually uh, had to select from, in, in terms of submissions and and what we ultimately chose, uh, we're so pleased with the program, and we're so pleased with um, the reaction from attendees. Like everyone is happy with uh, the subject matter and the range of culture and technical talks and uh, how everything is tied together. And uh, I think there's a lot that was applicable to enterprise, but not enterprise specific. So uh, we, we try to sort of cater to the audience, but not in a uh, echo chamber sort of way. Yeah, absolutely. And on the subject of talks, so I feel like DevOps Days always um, tries to strike that balance between having talks about the wider culture and talks with real, you know, implementable tools or um, takeaways that somebody can go and actually try something versus now I have to convince my organization to act in this way. Um, so I'd love to talk a little bit about Sean's talk just because, uh, well, I think Sean can tell us a little bit about the topic of his talk, both like you know, how he decided that that was the right sort of idea to submit and then like, you know, kind of give us the, you know, 
for the people who were following along on Twitter and wish that they could watch the video already, um, tell us a little bit about your talk, Sean. Yeah, so I uh, submitted a talk about our chatbot, Waterboy. Um, I'd actually submitted two talks, um, and I didn't think that uh, this one would get accepted, but I was really... Uh, when it did get accepted, I, I had to think for a bit on how I was going to present it, um, and I'm glad it did. So why did that one get accepted? Can you, can you give us some insight into why you picked this talk? Well, I'm personally a very big fan of, of chat ops in general, um, and I think... You know, a lot of um, a lot of DevOps fans see it as sort of a uh, an easy path into adopting a lot of patterns and practices that are really DevOps positive. So, in terms of sharing and collaboration, um, having everything sort of happen out in the open in a, in a chat environment, um, you know, recorded for audit purposes and for reference purposes. Um, and just as a single interface to so many back-end operations uh, in a company, uh, chat ops for me is is like one of the easiest ways to get people uh, following those those patterns. That, that makes a ton of sense, and I'm actually going to put Sarah on the spot here and ask, can you talk to us at all about like what role chat, if any, plays in the operations team at uh, PagerDuty? Um, sure. Actually, I've been building out very recently a number of things that we now do um, via chat ops. Um, previously, we did a lot of deploy stuff uh, using chat ops. Uh, now we've actually moved towards doing provisioning and decommissioning uh, with chat ops. And we also have chef converges being done by chat ops as well. So we no longer, our operations team no longer provides uh, keyboard as a service uh, for converging chef over the environments that our teams want to change. One of the other things that we've been doing is um, the operations team gets asked for a lot of information about various systems. So one of the things that has been done with ChatOps is uh, like our enhanced plugin, which will actually take an IP or a host name and actually give a whole bunch of contextual information back about that. Uh, that's been really helpful to us and we keep adding more things to it. Um, and then we stop getting questions about it. So it's a really easy metric to uh, realize things are working. I like that. The and you say enhance and I think zoom and enhance. Yeah. But, CSI. But uh it sounds like it's a it's a good way to surface things that you want to make visible to your coworkers. Yeah, exactly. And that particular plugin is um leader enhance and is public on GitHub. Nice. All right. And uh and I think Sean was talking about that too, like exactly how you are making things more visible to and accessible to your coworkers through chat. Do you want to go into a little more detail about that, Sean? For sure. Um we're a very distributed organization, so we are finding a lot of conversations were happening in happening in private and moving these tools to the chat room really made it uh these these troubleshooting efforts uh, more collaborative. And again, there's that history where we could see what happened. Um we have tools like being able to look at a, at a URL and get the timing for it. Um, is it fast? Is it slow? Are the handshakes slow? Um, also, uh, being able to deconstruct some of our microservices and and finding out, uh, say, how the the CDN is affecting them. Nice. And I gotta say, like, uh, as a user of NFL.com and you know NFL related sites and services, I appreciate when it's fast, especially, of course, with any kind of live sporting event. You care a lot about real time. Absolutely. 
And I'm on there like probably 20 times a day or something, just refreshing, waiting, new story, new story about the Seahawks, new story about the Seahawks. So that's just, I guess, me. Um, but on the on the chat side specifically, uh, you know, I, I'm coming from, I'm a product manager at PagerDuty, and so a little bit of a different perspective on on the role of, of chat. And I just, I just love how um, accessible it's made, uh, you know, a lot of the information around um, around specifically incidents, so so it's actually the the chat integration into the incident response um, lifecycle around uh, a company I think is really interesting, and so the ability for say the customer support team to come in and say hey we're, we're you know we're hearing some customer reports of this you know this that or the other thing and uh, and to be able to just immediately via the chat bot okay page the incident commander um, and have that continue um, that process kick off I think is just incredibly powerful. I think for uh, for myself and, and my team, um, what I find really valuable is is just reducing the amount of questions that need to be directed at someone or you know disrupting someone. Like I always feel bad asking a question um, that I feel I should know or I might know if I had just written it down somewhere or if it was just available to me in a format that I'm not aware of. So maybe there's a doc, but I don't know. And so if 90% of things that I'm supposed to know are in chat, um, I can search for them there and I can, you know, pull up some context where, you know, I don't have to hesitate and be like, before I bother this person, should I go and check, you know, five different things and see if I can find it on my own? Because I'm always very conscious of, you know, disrupting people's workflow. So uh, I think it's super valuable for that. And one point I would point out with uh, doing chat ops is if you are, then make sure you actually log that stuff to centralized logging as well. Um, and then it's actually searchable there as well, which is really handy. Even better. Yeah. I like it. And I got to, I, before we, we probably won't spend too much more time on chat, but I do want to say one thing, which is these DevOps days um, events actually get organized in a large part through chat as well. So there's a lot of tools that get used. Um, Chat is one of them for sure. Um, and uh, I think, I, Joe, you may be the person who gets asked the most for the same things again and again that you just end up pointing people to, you know, what you put in chat already. Yeah, it's nice, especially especially we uh, uh, DevOps uses uses Slack for for a lot of their for all of their their chat stuff, and being able to put a a audiovisual vendor form in. In Slack, so when it gets asked for six times, you can just say it's there. Just go search for it. I mean, that's that's very all that integration is very handy. And the stuff I was working on earlier, while everybody else was at enjoying open spaces, I was working on DevOps Days Minneapolis stuff, uh, playing with some with some uh, some some of our of our vendor vendor on screen scroll stuff. And I I put a, a sample a sample slideshow up in the up in the Slack channel for people to give a thumbs up or thumbs down for. Yeah, we already got some feedback from people who are back in Minneapolis as to like what they think of what you've been working on here. So distributed teams for the win. Yeah. Is um, it ethical to work on another DevOps days while you're at a DevOps days? <laughs> it sounds kind of recursive, right? Um, so let's let's talk a little bit more about the experience of being at DevOps days. Um, so is anyone here? Was it their first DevOps days? Ooh, Sean. All right, tell us a little bit about what you expected and what you actually experienced. Um, I really thought the open spaces were interesting. Um, everyone who, who told me about them before said, don't think too much about it, they're going to seem weird, but go do it. Um, 
And it, it exactly what it was. We had a couple, uh, had some interesting conversations about metrics, about uh, chat, um, about incidents. It, it was it was really good. Um, and then I really liked the diversity of of the talks. We were uh, the, the talks were by by people, you know, just just like us. No, I think that's that's a huge part of it, and something that um, that we continue to in- encourage is really just you don't have to be a professional speaker in order to get up and you know and and talk at a DevOps days. I think that's incredibly powerful, um, and it's awesome to have first time speakers coming and speaking at DevOps days, and or people just you know introducing topics and being willing to get up there and talk about the things that are relevant, um, you know, to them. I think that's. Uh, that's a huge part of the community that I've got out of it for sure. I think one of the things that was great about your talk selection is you didn't just go for the oh shiny. Um, you also seem to encourage, or at least you got the result of people talking about the stuff that didn't work as well. You know, like Sean talked about, and then we tried this, that wasn't as successful. Or um, you had other speakers talking about their attempts to introduce DevOps, you know, tools, practices, you know, whatever, culture inside organizations, and where it went wrong and what they learned. Can you talk a little bit, um, Steve, about like how you decided to bring that focus in? Was that a complete, completely by chance, or it looked a little bit curated? Oh, it was definitely curated. Um, I'm a big fan of you know failure stories. I think you know if you're coming to the event uh, and you don't really know what to expect, uh, as many of our attendees are, uh, you might be thinking that I'm going to go and watch talks by people that I have no hope of emulating or uh, are way beyond you know my organization's capabilities and so uh, mixing the talks between success stories uh, from companies like Shopify or doing great things with uh, you know companies and, and teams that have failed in their attempts and and really walking the path um, is I think hugely inspirational to, to people who might be stuck in the mud or not sure where to start or are afraid to start because of, you know, the possibility of failure. I mean, it breaks down, breaks down boundaries, right? I mean, if, you know, if people think you're, you're perfect and you're getting up there and giving a talk, like then it's really hard to relate, relate to that. And guess what? Like we all fail. We, you know, we suck in places and that's, that's a really okay thing. That's a wonderful thing, in fact. Uh, and those are the best, often the best learning opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, many a conference you'll hear about the really aspirational infrastructure and you're like, well, that's fantastic. We can't have anything like that. And so hearing about maybe more process or, I mean, Canada, should I say process? Um, (laughs) Process along the way, I think is pretty valuable. Uh, So Sarah, if you want to say you were considering giving a talk at DevOps Days Toronto next year. Give us kind of a rundown of you being here and looking at these talks. What kind of thing does it inspire you to want to talk about? Um, Well, I usually prefer to talk on something like chat ops, but that just got covered. Um, So... A lot of times DevOps Days is full of new people every year, so that's a fine thing to talk about. I think chat ops every year. I'm super happy to have chat ups every year. Yeah, like, I think it's huge, and it's important to note that we're not going to invite Sean back. Because, <laughs> yeah. so, Sean's, Sean's done. He had his one chance. <laughs> yeah, that's, <right. laughs> that's actually kind of great because when you see somebody give a talk about something and get good response from the crowd, get people excited, then you know, hey, this is a topic that has some legs in this particular realm. Because I would say not every DevOps days is exactly the same. I mean, we were just at one in London. 
Um, and you had some, you know, observations about what you thought about the general uh, direction of it, as opposed to some of the other cities you've been in, Joe. What do you think? Yeah, well, London, especially because of the, because I guess because of who it was being organized by and the, and the, and the, and the speakers they were bringing in, it was very, it was very financially, it was very, what's the, what's the, the, the Fintech, yeah, it's a, it was it was very fintech focused. You know, uh, Barclays was a sponsor and played a big and played a big part in that, and and a lot of the other London area banks uh, were were very key. So it was it was kind of targeted specifically, kind of the the problems associated with you know with coming into coming into uh, older organizations that that were. So it was a lot of like. It was a lot of like changing and, and how how do you do this sort of stuff, but it was very targeted at at one specific one specific industry, which I haven't seen at other other DevOps days tend to be more tend to be more broad. There's something kind of interesting about Toronto um, specifically is that we have a large attendee population from fintech um, and just legacy banks in general, but very little participation from the financial community at all. Like they don't come to us as sponsors. Um, so to talk to the London team, figure out how, yeah, if only, if only Barclays was a big, uh, presence in Toronto, that would be fantastic. I remember actually seeing Barclays present at uh, DevOps enterprise in 2014. And it was one of the best presentations, like they're 300 years old and a a massive legacy. Exactly. (laughs) That's that's mass. It's massive. It wasn't like going from the abacus to a uh, fully distributed cloud cloud architecture, but uh, you know I'm sure they have their share of uh, legacy issues. But yeah, Toronto's interesting for that. We would definitely like to see more um, participation by the the banks uh, because I think you know there's definitely a lot of enthusiasm from their staff. Um, we just have to sort of tap that um, enthusiasm at the at the organization level. I think even the talk around you know being a change agent and that that was given around um, on the ignite, I think is 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 super valuable for those people who are you know on the ground and needing to really start this kind of this uh, you know transformation um, in their in their company. Um, but yeah, seeing some kind of top-down investment would be wonderful too. And that, too. <laughs> well, that, and that kind of brings us to the, I think it's always a struggle, you know, as a conference organizer myself, I always struggle with the, we know we have content, um, industries, populations we want represented. Well, crap, they didn't submit anything to the CFP. Do we try to go chase them now? And I think what we've ended up doing in order to combat that is try to chase them ahead of time, like even before we open the CFP. So that those people that we, you know, in whatever groups they are, that we want to make sure are represented, uh, we're talking to them ahead of time and saying, hey, our CFP's open now. Here's the link. Please put your talk in. We want you speaking. And here's the the funniest thing is with DevOps Days Minneapolis this year, I definitely did that. I mean, I hand-fed that CFP link to a few people. The talks that they put in were upvoted by, um, you know, the rest of uh, the team without any names or companies on them. So I think that, and these are people who might not have considered submitting something. Um, And so I think that encouraging people and making them uh, say, saying to them, hey, giant bank of Canada, you know, we'll fill in the blank with the name, but hey, giant bank, we really would like to see a proposal from you. Talk to us about your journey. 
if, if you do that, I mean, I'm not saying you can feel the dreams this ship, but I'm saying if you do that, you might be able to uh, get more of them participating who wouldn't have paid attention to the uh, CFPs that a lot of us in the vendor space, like we jump on it as soon as it's open because we know. And getting those people who don't know is the key, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And you know, it's something we are reminded of as organizers every year is that we have to start immediately you know as as soon as 2016 is done 2017 has to begin if not beforehand i mean we're sort of sowing the seeds the whole time but uh you can never start too early and it's really a continuous thing especially with uh, running the meetup you know just constantly reminding people that this is coming up and we always need content just at the meetup, just put up the, uh, you know, Ned Stark meme, DevOps Days is coming. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. But hey, we've started right here because it sounds like you have a chat, uh, you know, topic from Sarah. So you've already seated next year. Uh, thanks, Sarah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I think the, the technical term for this is voluntold. Yeah. You've been you've been voluntold. You're going to give a great chat ups talk. You're going to have to live up to Sean. So <laughs> I normally do the voluntelling, so this isn't yeah. going to work. <laughs> so very enterprise. One, one thing I, I will say, in you know, having worked for a very large enterprise in the past, um, you know, one of the things that I think goes under. Uh, undervalued is just the fact uh, for for us coming in from the outside is just that there are different cultural pockets within each of these large companies right and so you know reaching out to one group they may be doing tech in a particular way and one and another team you know department within the organization might be completely different um and so actually getting those different some of those different perspectives can be um interesting multimodal if you will or something i don't know yeah i know i just i just got an eye roll from bridget actually on that one <laughs> uh yeah so like I said from the stage yesterday, bimodal IT is bullshit because telling people that, sorry, your coworkers get to be in awesome mode, but you have to be in sad mode. Good luck with the hating them or not. Like, that's not a good way to build a culture inside your organization. <laughs> um, that's not to say that you're going to absolute, absolutely change absolutely everything in your organization at the same time. Like, that's not implementable. No one's saying to do that. Segmenting people into the you get to have fun and everything for you is going to be terrible, and telling them that that's their labels is like, oh, don't do that. That's so cruel. <laughs> Embrace. I mean, within an, within an enterprise, the only thing that I've seen that works is really just that land and expand, like the change agent in one area, and then you expand out, and then that that just starts the you know that starts the avalanche. So, and, and I'm seeing smiles from Sean, and he certainly works at a large organization. Um, do you uh, have any comment there, Sean? Yeah, I wish people would stop treating the kind of the old stuff as boring. It's the stuff bringing in the money. Um, and, but the companies always treat it as like something that should be discarded, and we should be working on the new stuff. But where's all your where's all your or your users, all your traffic? If you want to do experimentation, it's all on your old stuff. So either move it over quickly or or, or keep it up to date. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more because I mean, like like I said yesterday, the if the old stuff didn't matter, you would just turn it off. Like clearly, it matters. <laughs> All right, so uh, from the from the DevOps days, you know, this one's almost in the book sort of perspective. I would love to hear it from Sarah, just because you've been to DevOps days I have never been to. Um, like, wh how did this one compare, contrast with, like, say, some of these Australian ones? Um, yeah, so we did have, um, 
we did have the open spaces. Uh, this is the first time I've actually seen it be done by Trello board and uh, by voting by show of hands. Uh, it actually seemed really cool. Um, the ways I've seen it done before are just uh, people come up to pitch uh, for a minute up to the microphone and I think it's actually 20 seconds and uh, they do their pitch and, and hand in their card and then people during lunch go and um, put tally, mo- tally marks on the card and then um, – uh, and then, you know, people go and view after lunch um, wh- what went way up based on popularity um, and turn up that way. And there's a, always a very large queue in front of the board because it, until someone takes a photograph and puts it on Twitter, um, which is always a good, always a good move. Um, beyond that, uh, it's pretty much organised in roughly the same way and seems to work fairly well in both ways. I think a lot of people are always trying to iterate on how that works. I got to say, I have a soft spot in my heart for the part where people come up and pitch just because that way, if there's somebody where you, you know, if Sean stands up and says, I want to talk more about chat ops, um, people might be a lot more intrigued than just, you know, the word chat ops on a Trello board. So there's there's a little bit of a give and, a give and take there, but it definitely sped some parts up. Yeah, particularly if you pitch it with, so how do you solve this problem? We know that this is an issue. So who's interested in talking about this? And then suddenly you've got, bang, much more of a response. Yeah, but I like the part where everything was visible and everyone could see it at the same time. That definitely cut down on what Sarah's describing of the like mob around the board. One of the things we we tried this year in kind of the spirit of, uh, I guess, DevOps Day Seattle and JJ, JJ Asgar's um, Ignite Talk specifically on on intro, being an introvert at a conference like this. Um, we did, did try kind of bringing the mic to the people um, so that they could kind of pitch sitting down, you know, a little bit more comfortable, trying to uh, cater to that, be curious for just kind of overall reaction. I think that'll be one of the things that we look at um, uh, for feedback on the the po- kind of post survey from people. Um, okay, so I'm going to put Sean on the spot again and say, so you've been to other tech events. Um, you spoke in DC, you gave uh, an earlier version of this talk, for example. Can you talk a little bit about what you saw as similar and different between DevOps days and other tech events in general. Um, where I've given this talk before was largely uh, largely a lot of federal workers. Um, so the idea of a, of a chatbot doing work for you seemed very foreign. Uh, the jokes totally didn't fly. Um, <laughs> so it was a fairly awkward presentation. Um, what I really liked about this one was uh, a lot of the people talking about the problems they had in, in, in their jobs. They were far more open uh, than what I've seen at other places. I think that this, that's actually a hallmark of DevOps Days. And DevOps Days DC is coming up quickly. By the time this is published, it may even already have happened, beginning of June. And I think that um, the uh, DevOps Days DC is held at the U.S. Patent and Trade Office. And that's an environment that you would imagine would be full of people who would not necessarily share and, you know, talk in open space and what have you. And it does seem like that format of like broadcast in the morning and then, you know, congregating in groups in the afternoon does get people opening up and sharing more. So that's that's something about the DevOps days format that seems to work. Um, so what about like now that you've decompressed a little bit from running the event this time. I'd just love to hear as, as we wrap up, what is everybody looking forward to coming up now that the event horizon of DevOps Days Toronto is is almost past? Well, I think, you know, getting a jump on 2017 is always a big priority coming out of uh, an event. Um, but for me, I'm looking forward to sort of uh, going back into speaker mode. Like I'd like to 
start putting together a talk and start submitting. I, I sort of ignore that coming up to the event for the most part. I was in London a little while ago and that, that kind of got in the way, but, uh, in a good way. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I like to do, uh, a couple conferences a year, so I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah. I thought one thing that, um, one thing we were trying to do certainly to, to, as the feedback came from attendees, we were definitely trying to, you know, throw that in Slack so that the, you know, the organizers committee for DevOps days Toronto could continue to, you know, keep things top of mind effectively. Hey, we got feedback on this. Hey, if we, you know, if we need to switch venues because we need to fit more people in next year, like, hey, what, here's some ideas that, um, uh, you know, that attendees came up with. So uh, a lot of that I think is great. Uh, like Steve, you know, definitely I love getting out there and, you know, being able to to do some more, more talks. So looking forward to um, having that freed up a little bit. And um, as long as my wife's okay with that. <laughs> Pro tip, I just bring Joe along with me. <laughs> it's like, we have a decent cat sitting service, so. Three kids run around too. Uh, you know, a lot of people do bring their kids to DevOps days. Yeah. Every once in a while, their kids even give ignites, so. Yeah. so true. We did try to get a Daniel Willis out. And, uh, he chose, uh, what was a it? Set. A drum set instead of coming to DevOps days Toronto <laughs> as per John Willis. Nice choice, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's hear what uh, Sean's looking forward to. Yeah, my talk is done. Um, I've got to prepare another one in July for ChefConf, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but based on this experience here, I'm I'm really looking forward to trying to find another DevOps days. Um, whether or not I talk, I don't know, but uh, I really like the format and got a lot out of it. So I'm looking forward to coming back. How about how about you, Sarah? Um, well, I really like monitoring, uh, which means I guess I work in the right place. Um, so I'm really looking forward to Monitorama. Me too. Yeah conference this year that I am not speaking at and just showing up at because I love it. You're probably going to get asked to speak anyway then, you know that, right? Yeah, I always find that the people are really good, um, the content's really good, and just the general atmosphere and environment is, is really good and really enjoyable. Uh, and everyone actually gets to know each other, which is kind of cool. I think that's something that Monodorama and DevOps days have in common, the whole single track conference thing. And uh, Joe, since you've been working in meetings and event technology forever, if you want to give us a little bit of perspective on single track versus multi-track pros, cons. Well, I guess from the from the from the vendor perspective, uh uh, for for the vendors sitting out in the hall just talking to the talking to the folks at the pivotal booth, there are giant lulls in in the traffic to the vendor booth done a single track because everybody's in Everybody's in one room. There isn't a lot of milling about in the in the in the vendor area. Where with a with a multi track, you have people just kind of wandering around. If they don't like the session that's currently going on, or they're moving between sessions, there's a lot. There'd be a lot more traffic in the in the vendor booths. I mean, not to say that there isn't traffic. It's just that there are periods of high traffic and then periods of low traffic. And I think you get more. You definitely get more FOMO traffic in a multi-track. Like I've been there myself where I'm like halfway through a session. I'm like, is this the best session right now? And I'll just go and bolt out to something else. But at least it's all being recorded and that was publicized fairly early on that it is being recorded. So, you know, it's like, oh, I missed half a session. Oh, well, I'll catch the recording later. Let's continue with this conversation or something instead. Which I never do. I never go back and watch the recordings. Probably not going to have time for checkouts. We usually do like recommendations on this, and I'm not going to put everyone on the spot and make them come up with one. Though, If you want to, I'll say my recommendation, YouTube-DL. 
I watch a lot of conference talks on planes. And by watch, I mean listen to while answering email. Planes and trains and, yep, record, uh, download them all and then watch them during transit. It's wonderful stuff. Um, so, Joe, you uh, didn't tell us what you're looking forward to. Well, when we get back to when we get back to Minneapolis, it's going to be crunch time on on our DevOps days, Minneapolis. So we have, you know, this is kind of when everything starts to come together for us. We have T-shirts to order and and finalize. You know, we have to finalize what what the what the the AV is going to be and what the room is going to look like and picking out menus. We just have all the stuff that kind of comes in the last two months before before a conference. So that's what that's what. We're not necessarily looking forward to it, but that's what we have to look forward to when we get back home. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I suppose now your shopping list has just, your wish list has gotten a lot longer after seeing everything that Dave and Steve and company have done. Well, the room the room looked really good. The thing that I plan on stealing, and we've done this in kind of an informal thing. We have kind of an informal walkthrough kind of the night before for speakers. If they want to come by, walk the stage, maybe plug their maybe plug their laptop in and make sure everything works. I think going with the with the the kind of structured, you know, tech check-in at the beginning of the day for all the speakers, I think that's something I'm going to have to steal because that's that's a good way to kind of head off technical issues. Um, we usually like it we usually like it as a as the the AV guy in the back of the room. We usually really like it when the the presenters kind of come up early on before things get crazy to kind of hey, I want to check my laptop out. We usually appreciate that rather than the I'm speaking in 15 seconds and I haven't tested this out yet. Um, so having a, having thing, we're going to have to put this into the into the the flow for the actual event to have all the speakers for the day come. You know, half hour before the event, after you get breakfast, we'll check your laptop out and and make sure it all works. Just make sure you take away their laptop afterwards so that they don't go and change all their settings because that is also a reality. So. This this sounds like we all have pretty full plates. We've all got a lot of stuff going on. So I think that uh, I guess I just want to leave it with DevOps Days Toronto. Pretty good scene. It looks like uh, your third year next year is going to be even bigger. <gasps> I apparently am a computer scientist and allowed to be off by one. But your uh, fourth year next year, I, I think I was thrown off by you talking about being the second year in this venue. So you were somewhere else the first year. Yeah, your fourth year next year is going to be exciting as heck. So uh, I've I've used up my one speaker token, but maybe I can sneak up here as an organizer or sponsor in the oh, future. Anytime you want to uh, <laughs> sneak up as anything, um, please do. You're, you're all welcome. Well, thank you all so much for being on Arrested DevOps. If you have an upcoming conference you would like to see promoted on ADO, or maybe even have us record at your conference. You can fill out the handy form at arresteddevops.com slash conf. Upcoming conferences include, of course, lots and lots of DevOps days. When registering, if you use the code ADO2016, you make it 20% off. Uh, especially DevOps Days Silicon Valley coming up June 24th and 25th, and DevOps Days Minneapolis, July 20th and 21st. If you'd like to speak at a DevOps Days, Open CFPs include uh, Chicago and Boston are open until June 1st. Dallas and Raleigh open until June 19th. DevOps Days Philly is open until June 30th. July 15th is when DevOps Days New York is closing their CFP. Uh, Singapore, August 15th. Detroit, August 31st. And new cities have been added. So take a look at DevOpsDays.org. There's Baltimore coming up and um, Porto Alegre in Brazil, which is actually going to be a DevOps Days held entirely in Portuguese. 
So take a look. And uh, we also have t-shirts now and mugs available at store.arresteddevops.com. Um, buy one today or not. We're not the bossy. We also have a newsletter, arresteddevops.com slash banana stand. Stratton wants you to know it's the best way to know about upcoming podcast episodes and cool news with DevOps. And thanks to our sponsors. Be sure to visit them at arresteddevops.com slash 10th magnitude and arresteddevops.com slash datadog. We, and yes, there are we, even though timing has been such that uh, Stratton and you know Trevor have not been available for the episodes lately. They will be on soon, hopefully. But we would appreciate it if you'd visit arresteddevops.com slash iTunes and leave us a review in the iTunes store. Love to know what you thought of this episode, which will be at arresteddevops.com slash devopsdays-toronto-2016. Be sure to check us out at Arrested DevOps on Twitter. Send us email at showsarresteddevops.com. We're always happy to get your ideas, input, feedback. Please let us know any ideas you have for future episodes. I'm Bridget at Bridget Crumhout. We're Arrested DevOps. And remember, there's always DevOps in the bananas.